Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Child of. Today's episode is titled A Little Strangely. I hope that it piqued your interest though because I feel like it's a really important subject. How to not get sucked into the narcissist web of chaos and inevitably become part of what causes that chaos to grow. I watched a short clip from one of Lisa Romano's talks last night. If you haven't checked her out, I would really highly recommend it. Um... She was discussing how children of narcissists who are a bit more stubborn, who are what you might call truth tellers or even question askers, kids who challenge the status quo and demand explanations that make sense, how these kids tend to be targeted in the home of a narcissist. I felt so much emotion just like rising up in me while I was listening to her talk about this because I could remember like little me, little Joanna with all her indignation, wanting to understand things and being targeted repeatedly. My dad made it clear, not verbally, but emotionally that he wanted to break me. It was obvious from an early age that my dad and I did not get along. I felt unsafe with him because he was rough. His eyes were really cold and he showed no emotion toward me. I didn't like that. I don't know what kid likes a parent who is visibly and emotionally cold towards them. And I definitely did not like it. I was both super sensitive and really stubborn. It was a horrible combination to be as the child of a father who was so narcissistic. I reacted extremely to his presence and I could tell that he resented me. I verbalized his behaviors and asked why he would do the things that he did. And that made me a target. He isolated me, found fault with everything that I did. I was constantly criticized by him. And when that wasn't happening, he had my mom literally go and do his dirty work and express his disgust with everything. Literally from how I stood as a human girl, like how I stood, how my arms hung in a photograph, to my grades, to whether my door to my room was open or the curtains were open or closed, um, to my clothing, makeup, hair, friends, everything was a point of contention. Now I want to say if this rings familiar for you, I am so, so sorry for what you have lived through. If you grew up as a child, as a tender young human being, constantly being criticized and put down and never feeling like you could do anything good or right, it is heartbreaking. No child should feel as though they have to earn their parents' love or approval. They should be guided and given encouragement along the way as they try to figure out life and, and go through hard times like puberty and breakups and all of the things that come with growing up. It's difficult. And if you don't have support, especially from your parent, it can be so, so hard to navigate that it can feel impossible. But the thing about this cycle of criticism and baiting that I came to understand as a child is that it was intended to create a monster. The narcissist doesn't like you. They are going to pick and push at you until you react so that they can stand back and say, see, this child is resentful. They are hateful. They are disrespectful and... And this is exactly how they begin the process of discrediting anything you could possibly say. See, they don't want anyone around who can see who they are. And it's not so easy to get rid of a child. But you can make them crazy. You can make them angry. You can poke at them until they become furious. You can hurt them quietly and subtly. And eventually, 
your spouse or your other children will look at that child and say, man, they're a mess. What's even sadder is that likely, if there are siblings involved watching this all happen, they will begin to understand that they can treat this child If it's you, let's just call you the scapegoat because that's what you are. They will begin to understand that they can treat the scapegoat however they want. They can blame things on them. They can be a bully to them. And there are no real consequences within the familial household. But when this is you, when you're the scapegoat in this situation, when your parent is targeting you because you want to know the truth, because you want to tell the truth, because you ask hard questions, because you stand up for things that you believe to be right, this can make you crazy. This kind of situation is horrible. I know because I lived it. You feel completely alone. No one believes you when you try to tell the truth and say what's going on. It's really difficult to explain because a lot of times it's really subtle. And you're victimized by your entire family who is supposed to love and care for you. And maybe your family doesn't even recognize that this is what they're doing to you because it's so natural to them because it's the way that they've grown up seeing everything be done. And so you may find yourself, as I found myself, in a situation, in a place in life where nothing you do is going to be good enough. Nothing you do is going to rescue yourself from this. And you have to make some really hard calls and you have to dig deep. I am so incredibly sad talking about this because I remember so many evenings sitting in my room feeling like if I made the choice to take my own life, which is something that I seriously considered on many occasions, that my dad would simply say, see, I told you that kid was just so selfish and so self-centered that she would do this to the family. I would have been villainized even in my own attempt to escape the pain that I was living in, the isolation that was drowning me, and the constant criticism that was just ripping me apart. On the other hand, I was so sick of sitting at the table with my dad and having him poke and prod at me and say things that were intentionally hurtful, but in, of course, a very subtle way, and getting a rise and a reaction out of me. I was so sick of trying to fight with him and trying to be heard and always being told that I was this bad kid. And I was thinking everything through. I was a really deep thinker. I pondered everything that was said to me and I tried to make sense of everything. I was very much in my head trying to understand the situation that I found myself in and I had a pretty substantial revelation for a 17-year-old alone in their room, and that was that I had to stop reacting. I had to stop doing what he wanted me to do, which was reacting. I had to stop. I had literally become the monster that he wanted so that he could discredit me and so that he could continue living and being the person that he was without having any questions asked. And thankfully, I had the presence of mind to figure out a game plan and to stick with it. And for me... In that situation, my game plan was to just not respond. It's something that is known in the community of narcissistic abuse survivors as gray rocking. But I didn't know the terminology back then. I didn't even know that I was dealing with a narcissist. I just knew that I was in pain and something had to change because I didn't want to be the kind of person that he was very much manipulating me into being. 
So after this realization, this epiphany, I decided not to react to him. And that included basically saying nothing. It was really difficult, especially when he would say things that hurt really badly. But for the most part, I stuck with it. I remember hours and hours sitting at the kitchen table in our dining room, having him just talk at me and just staring at the wall. I think the most that I would actually say even through questions, comments, whatever, I would not say anything. But at the end, when he would finally finish and be quiet, I would just ask, are we done? And if he started talking again at that point or tried to ask me a question, I would just return to basically mute and stare at the wall. I didn't want him to have so much power over me and I needed to break the cycle that I was in. And this was an incredibly useful tool for me at the time, although later on in my life, it did have consequences. In trauma recovery, there are so many stages and part of the healing is just um, healing from the abuse itself and part of the healing is healing from what you did to survive the abuse. Here's the kind of catch-22 that I've kind of put into this whole episode and that is that you, in a way, have to become a monster to not become a monster, if that makes sense. When you're in a situation like this, There is no good choice. And there are a lot of situations like that in life that you get faced with and there's just no good scenario. You have to make a bad choice. And for me, in this situation, I had to choose gray rock. I didn't know the effects it was going to have later. Obviously, it didn't feel like a good choice, but it was the choice that I had. I had to choose to fight for my own sanity, for my own health and my own well-being versus trying to fight a losing battle. Sometimes the dis- the difference between what is bad and what is better is only a centimeter, but you have to take that centimeter and you have to fight like hell. You have to be a monster and you have to go for it. When it comes to being the scapegoat and being the child of a narcissist who is constantly picking on you, constantly prodding you, getting a reaction, your choice is either to become exactly like that person, to become that abuser and to be an asshole, or to fight like hell to be a better person. And that might mean being silent, completely silent for years. That might mean that you end up with some really horrible addictions or some really toxic self-soothing habits. But the thing is, is that you have to make it out before you can start really healing. And yes, you do. You have to heal from the ways that you survived. I shared on a previous episode that I became addicted to self-harm for five years. I didn't even know that that was something that you could become addicted to until I couldn't stop. And the reason that that addiction even came into being, the only reason that it was birthed, was because I was in so much pain and I was so I felt so alone that I needed some sort of outlet. And this was after I decided to go silent, to go gray rock, and I didn't feel like anyone could hear me when I did speak. And so I found myself waging a war against my own body. And obviously that's not healthy. That's a different kind of monster. But I'm grateful for it 
for the time that it was in my life, not because it was good, because obviously it wasn't. It was really horrible. I have scars that will be on my arms and my legs forever. They're not going away. But it saved me from becoming a different kind of monster, one that I don't feel like I could have recovered from. Again, sometimes there are just no good choices and you have to make whatever you think is the better choice, even if it's just microscopically better. And I think that maybe the difference is process the grief, process the sadness, but don't let hate live in you. Don't let anger and hatred dig a grave in your heart. I've always felt like hatred was something like a virus or a sickness that was really contagious. And if you let it make a home inside your body, it will not stop growing until it's killed something. And that right there, that is the monster that you don't want to become. And that is what they would like to breed in you. And this is not to try to glorify survival mechanisms, but survival mechanisms are just what they are. They are there so that you can survive. I just want you to know that if you have had to make a better choice that is still not a great choice, I see you. If you're trying desperately to not become riddled with hate and anger, I'm over here completely and totally full-heartedly rooting you on. Don't let them turn you into their little monster. Make those hard and sometimes only slightly better choices that you have to do to get through what you're going through. I'll give you guys an example of a situation where you might choose a slightly better scenario. Say your narcissistic parent says something hurtful to you and instead of overreacting and freaking out and saying, you know, ouch, that hurt. Why would you say that? And becoming upset, which you know will probably not result in anything good and allow them to manipulate your emotions. Instead, maybe you don't stand up for yourself. Maybe you don't say anything. Now, that's not something that you want to do later on in life. Obviously, that's not good. But if you're in a situation where you're forced to not stand up for yourself because it is the better way to go, then that's the choice that you have to make until you don't have to make it anymore. So you can begin to learn to stand up for yourself again in a healthy way and figure out what it means to be listened to. I guess the moral of the story is don't let anyone make you into anything that you don't want to be because you're the person that has to live with yourself for the rest of your life. So make sure that you are someone that not only you like, but that you're proud of. Someone who's made the best out of what life has handed them and not the worst. That's all for this episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope that it was helpful for you, that it gave you tools to work with. I hope you guys know by now that my Instagram DMs are always open. Both my Instagram handles are in the podcast description. So please feel free and encouraged even to reach out and share your story or ask any questions that you want to ask. I'm an open book, or at least I try to be. I hope you guys have a wonderful week and I will talk to you again next Tuesday.